Greetings and welcome to the Truth in Print podcast. I am your host, Tim Burbeck. If you've been following me on Instagram for a while, um, you'll notice that I've been posting a lot of uh, theology and, and discussions in theology. Um, my Instagram page was a sort of a, I guess, a influencer nutrition fitness page, but uh, this has been something that I've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, instead of spending a lot more energy there on my Instagram, I thought it'd be a it'd be a lot more at least helpful to summarize my thoughts and then also um, just give my thoughts a little bit more definition and character by placing them here and recording on a podcast. So if you're listening, I do appreciate that and I hope you enjoy um, the things and get a lot out of everything that I had to talk about. So this is going to be sort of a a regular thing. Um, I I think in the future there will be topical um, discussions and Bible study, but one thing that I want wanted to do was to get into Leviticus. Um, what kind of inspired me to do that was reading in Luke the road to Emmaus. If you recall, that's the road where uh, Jesus basically stated that the uh, Old Testament was about him. In fact, there's five places in the New Testament where Jesus basically claims that he is the theme of the Old Testament. Um, I like to spend a lot of time in the Old Testament. If you follow me on Instagram, then you'll notice that this is a common theme that I do, is basically seeing prophetic passages and Christological themes in the Old Testament. And so um, I thought it'd be a good idea to dive into Leviticus. And the reason why for that is, you know, I kind of think about the times that uh, you know, we all kind of go through our yearly Bible reading, and then many times people kind of stress over Leviticus because it seems like all these different codes, that uh, priestly codes for the priests of Israel and the different laws that are binding or were binding on the people of Israel at the time that may seem not binding, at least in the ceremonial and civic sense, on Christians today. But I think it's probably one of the most uh, neglected books in the Bible. Um, You don't see any devotionals dedicated to Leviticus. You may see occasional um, Bible verses quoted here and there, but you really don't see a lot of that. So it was kind of um, impressioned on my heart to cover that. And So what I'd really like to do is start... A weekly study in Leviticus, starting with Leviticus 1. Um, So that's what today will be. So if you're joining me, I'd really appreciate that. Um, I hope you get a lot out of it. So, just to dive in, Leviticus is sort of a, you know, it, it is one of the books of the Bible that is written by Moses in the Pentateuch. It is the um, it is the third book of the Bible, and it starts off a lot differently than Exodus did. Now, sort of the background to that, uh, just to give a little intro. Of course, undoubtedly we have to start in Genesis with that. So Genesis is where the theocracy of you could call it the theocracy of Israel is basically born. Um, this is where the 
covenants are established. Uh, in Exodus, you see the book basically beginning with sinners, and you see sinners in slavery. The theme of Exodus is rescue and redemption. Uh, Moses is the progenitor of the faith, um, and there's a lot of theology and interesting ties between Moses and, and Christ, Moses being an imperfect uh, version, or a, not version, but typological character of Christ. But he is the progenitor of the Jewish faith, who rescued and rescued his people from Egypt. Actually, it was God that did it, but Moses was the one who led his people out of Egypt. You see the covenants, um, after they're established in Genesis, you see the covenants amplified in Exodus. Uh, in Exodus, you see a theocracy basically established. Um, and it ends at Mount Sinai. Um, you see at the end of Exodus, God filling the tabernacle. Um, the tabernacle is completed on Mount Sinai. God fills his tabernacle. And then this is where you basically pick up in Leviticus. So at the end, at the very beginning of Leviticus, it starts right off right away with, um, it begins with saints, as opposed to Exodus where it begins with sinners and slavery. Saints are in the presence, or at least the beginning of the presence of God. And this is an interesting time as it begins with saints of Mount Sinai, immediately you begin to see the law revealed. Um, you see the, at the same time the, the law is revealed to Israel, you see the life of Israel begin. You see um, atonement and holy walk. You know, it, it began with, in Genesis, man being ruined to Exodus, man being redeemed. And then in Leviticus, you see cleansing, worshiping, serving. Uh, you see the, the principles of atonement, which the New Testament, from, or from which the New Testament rests. So, basically, to start with Leviticus 1, you have the law of burnt offerings to start with. And so, I'm just going to begin by reading Leviticus 1, and then we'll just sort of walk our way, walk our way uh, through the first chapter. Starting with verse 1, Then the Lord called to Moses and spoke to him from the tent of meeting, saying, Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When any man of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of animals from the herd or flock. If his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer it, a male without defect. He shall offer it at the doorway of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the Lord. He shall off he shall I'm sorry, he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, that it may be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. He shall slay the young bull before the Lord. And Aaron's sons, the priests, shall offer up the blood and sprinkle the blood on the altar that is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. He shall then skin the burnt offering and cut it into its pieces. The sons of Aaron, 
the priest shall put fire on the altar and arrange wood on the fire. Then Aaron's sons, the priest, shall arrange the pieces, the head and the suet, over the wood which is on the fire that is on the altar. Its entrails, however, and its legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer up in smoke all of it on the altar for a burnt offering, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. So I'm just going to stop here. This is at verse 9. What you have here is a voluntary, this is a voluntary offering that uh, creates a sweet aroma to the Lord. Now, God doesn't just like barbecue. (laughs) This is an act of worship. And this act of worship is what is pleasing to the Lord. The, The aroma is a sign of the voluntary action for propitiation of sins. It's to signify complete dedication. Um, this is why you see a um, a whole dedication. It's 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 to um, signify complete dedication to God. That that is ultimately its significance. Uh, something that's acceptable before God. Um, and this is for also the maintenance of fellowship. And as we keep going through this chapter, you see that there is a uh, kind of a hierarchy of wealth given here. You see bull. If you don't have a bull, you can offer up a sheep or goat. Um, and then if you don't have a sheep or goat, you can offer up a turtle dove. Now that's important because we see throughout the Old Testament and in the New different uses of the animals here the the bull is used um like you if you have a reference in psalm david references to the bulls of bashan um of course you have the dichotomy of the sheep or goats and um then you have turtle dove you have an interesting reference to turtle dove which i'll 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 talk about that later but um, you do at least have a system that is given up according to wealth. And if you know what that's like, then that should be a little bit familiar to you. Um, and that's exactly how the tithe system worked in the, in the theocracy of Israel. But I'll come back to that just to kind of move forward um, and to go through the text here. But if his offering is from the flock of the sheep or of the goats for a burnt offering, he shall offer it a male without defect. By the way, I'll stop there. A male without defect also has some theological significance. So picking back up at verse 11. He shall slay it on the side of the altar northward before the Lord, and Aaron's sons, the priests, shall sprinkle its blood on the altar. He shall then cut it into pieces with its head and suet, and the priest shall arrange them on the wood which is on the fire that is on the altar. The entrails, however, and the legs he shall wash with water, and the priest shall offer all of it, and offer it up in smoke on the altar. It is a burnt offering, an offering by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. But if his offering to the Lord is a burnt offering of birds, then he shall bring bring his offering from the turtle doves, 
or from young pigeons. The priest shall bring it to the altar and wring off its head and offer it up in smoke on the altar, and its blood is to be drained out on the side of the altar. He shall also take away its crop with its feathers and cast it beside the altar eastward to the place of the ashes. Then he shall tear it by its wings, but shall not sever it. And the priest shall offer it up in smoke on the altar, on the wood, which is on the fire. It is a burnt offering, an offer by fire of a soothing aroma to the Lord. So what's the significance of burnt offerings? Well, as I said earlier, you know, it is a voluntary act of worship. You bring something acceptable to God. Something acceptable is your complete dedication. Um, and, and there's several significance to this. Um, you see Christ's dedication. Um, that's, you see a reference to that, at least in Mark. Mark 14, let me just turn to that. Verse 36. 36, and he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. That's Christ himself um, dedicating himself to God the Father. Then, of course, you have believers' full dedication. Um, that kind of refers back to that. Uh, Romans Chapter 12, verse 1, um, you can turn to that and read that. I think another really good one is Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15. Yeah. So let me just read through that. Through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name. So basically, the significance of this being voluntary, it has to come from the person giving the offering. The burnt is burning something completely. And being something complete, being something acceptable to God. A male without defect. What's a male without defect? What's a sign? What, what, what would that signify in the New Testament? course that's jesus christ jesus christ is the male without defect given of himself the only acceptable sacrifice so you can begin to see some themes even right off the bat in leviticus chapter one and why christ would say the old testament is about me and you begin to see this i mean i'm not going to do like a, a sort of a line-by-line -line scholarly um, exposition throughout the entire text, but, you know, when you begin to read with this in the back of your mind, you begin to see it everywhere, that the Old Testament, as Jesus said, is about him. And you, may, you can even see that at the very beginning in Genesis. At the very beginning in Genesis, after the covenant of works was broken after the fall, I think a good example is in Genesis 4, um, you know, 3 and 5. The difference between Abel's 
um, offering to God in Cain's. Even that was discussed um, or brought up in Hebrews chapter 11. And let me just turn to that. Um, that was discussed in Hebrews chapter 11. That was the faith chapter. Um, let me see, verse four, at verse 4, By faith Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained the testimony that he was righteous. God testifying about his gifts, that through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. So, and Hebrews chapter 11 in general is a, is a great... Um, study on that really it's called the uh, or traditionally called the faith chapter that ties everybody in the Old Testament giving their acts um, that we would normally think of as um, just sort of ceremonial it isn't necessarily that they do it because solely they are told to but even right off the bat the burnt offerings are offered as a faith testimony given voluntarily, completely acceptable to God. And that's the difference there shown in, early on in Genesis, Abel versus Cain. Cain offered whatever he wanted to from the ground. Uh, Abel gave uh, animals. And of course that just carried over, that was a first sign of Leviticus chapter 1 of a burnt offering males are animals without defect and of course it was ordered the law revealed in Leviticus chapter 1 a male without defect so that gives you a little bit idea um, of what a burnt offering signified this was a typological sign of faith to God um, and just to back up a little bit, I want to kind of explain this in a couple of bullet points um, right at the very beginning. Um, the first, actually the first nine verses um, sort of explain this a little bit better. Uh, you can see Leviticus chapter, I'm, I'm sorry, Leviticus 1 verse 3 if his offering is a burnt offering from the herd, he shall offer it a male without defect. He shall offer it at the doorway of the tent of meeting, that he may be accepted before the God. But I'm sorry, before the Lord. You know, Christ was the male without defect. He was the one who offered himself. Verse 4, he shall lay his hand on the head of the burnt offering, that it may be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. Now, that's a significant passage. If we were to consider in the back of our mind that Christ is the theme of the Old Testament, when we read the Old Testament, we're reading about Christ. Sin was laid on Him for our behalf. Now, just think about that for a minute. And let me just read verse 4 again. He shall lay His hand on the head of the burnt offering, that it may be accepted for him to make atonement on his behalf. What, what office did Christ complete? What office did he serve? There's a threefold office of 
threefold office that Christ fulfilled, the king, the prophet, and what else? The priest. He is the high priest who to make atonement on the person bringing the offering. To continue, verses 5 and 6, He shall slay the young bull before the Lord, and Aaron's sons the priest shall offer up the blood and sprinkle the blood around on the altar that is at the doorway of the tent of meeting. So, this talks about, basically, the doorway of the tent of meeting is sort of the significant passage of this. This is an early sign of Jesus being presented at the temple. You have the sacrifice being presented at the doorway of the tent of meeting. The tent of meeting, of course, referring to the, um, the tabernacle on Mount Sinai. This being offered at the tent of meeting, basically the, the meeting place where you meet with the presence of the Lord. Christ, the sacrifice presented at the, ta- at the temple also signifying the presence of the Lord. Um, If you go to Luke chapter... Let me just turn there. I really need to have all these uh, sort of (laughs) uh, pre-bookmarked. But... um, Let me see. Thanks for sticking with me as I turn through the pages here. Luke chapter 2. Verse 24. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, the law of the Lord being Leviticus, a pair of turtle doves or two pigeons. There's a lot in the Bible about doves. Um, Christ was referred to uh, like a dove. Um, This is a sign of purity. Um, And Christ is even referred to as fulfilling this this sign, this typological figure. Basically, let me just start with chapter, um, verse 21. And when the eight days were passed before his circumcision, his name was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before was conceived in the womb. And when the days for the purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Christ is described as the turtle doves or the turtle does, or the young pigeons, he is presented before the temple as the sacrifice. So right there, in the first nine verses, or excuse me, actually the first three through nine, so the first six verses of Leviticus, we see a voluntary sacrifice completely burned and given up without defect to the Lord. 
That was the purpose of these burnt offerings. It was something anybody could give in Israel. And this is how they did it. Um, God commanded that this is the way it be done. Um, and there was, as I explained when I was reading through the chapter, there is a, a portion that the priests actually get. Um, if there's a theological... If there's a theological significance, I'm not sure, but there is at least a practical consideration. There, You see, at least in Numbers, it was described that these kind of offerings were given every day, at least maybe, you know, many times a day, excuse me, many times a day, the skin the priests get to have. And it was likely that these, um, the skins were something that the priests could use their livelihood um, and as, you know, maybe something they were able to sit on or use for tents or, um, you know, were able to sell. So there is at least that practical consideration. But ultimately, the significance here about burnt offerings was that you could give something to God voluntarily by faith, as we read in Hebrews, something that is completely given, you give with your entire heart for something, something that is acceptable to God. You know, not not half-heartedly, such as in the Cain or the case of Cain and Abel, but something that is given completely to God on our behalf, or on as a portion of our dedication. But you also see a sign here that Christ gave himself completely on our behalf as the high priest. He was the high priest. He fulfilled that office. And he gave the ultimate sacrifice, the, the sign of something that is completely without defect, the male without defect. You know, if you didn't really see that, or if you didn't really have that in the back of your mind, you may be thinking, well, why a, why a bull or why a sheep or goat or turtle dove why that specifically and why a male specifically and why without defect is because if you are giving something that is not the leftovers or not a defected animal or a sick animal if you're giving something and assuming that it belongs to the Lord that is an acceptable act of worship. So that sort of sums up what I wanted to talk about here in Leviticus 1. Um, this is my really my first podcast, so <laughs> if you're still sitting with me, you know, I hope you that I hope you're able to get a little bit of insight into how this at least how this will work going through the passages. I, you know, I'm not going to go like I said line by line, but just being able to read in the back of your mind Christ in the Old Testament really begin to gain an appreciation for some of these books of the Bible that you would normally sort of feel like you labor through. And so we're going to pick it back up next time with the grain offerings. That was the bull, bull, uh, excuse me, burnt offerings. And we're going to see a little bit, some of the same thing um, in Leviticus chapter 2. So, Thank you for joining me, and I'll see you next time.